0: Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Well, we uh, certainly do live in uncertain times. Uh, so thankful for your words, Pastor Wong, of the importance of staying close in our community, trying to seek to continue to minister to one another. Uh, it really can be easy to have an out of sight, out of mind mentality. And I, I pray that that we would uh, resist that and continue to find ways to connect as a community. Uh, well, uh, we venture into the bad news this morning. What has gone wrong? What went wrong with the world? Uh, we will consider the fall this morning and I uh, trust that the Lord has us here for a particular reason at this time where there's a lot of bad news, uh, but this is bad news that we desperately, desperately need to hear in order to understand what is going on in our world. All right, well, now I'd like to call on the children. Children, please come uh, to your screens, come forward. I'd love to have a conversation again with you this morning. Let me get uh, my screen on gallery view, that way I can see all of you. Yeah, I would love to see more faces. So uh, if you don't have your video on, I would love to love to see you. Um, yeah, this is like the, the one moment of the week where we actually can, can see other faces. Um, it feels like, so it'd be really great. So it doesn't matter how young you are, the, all our little ones please come and all the way up to 12 years old, okay? Even those who are 11, 12, please, uh, please join me for this discussion. All right, so um, uh, want before we begin, I wanna give thanks to God for those who have been working behind the scenes. Uh, every week we have a, a group. I uh, wanna thank God for Puyi who made my slides last week and this week Grace has made uh, these slides. Um, but now I have some children helpers. okay? You're going to be my helpers. You're going to help the parents understand our message today. How awesome is that? You're going to help us kind of uh, get what God is saying to us in His word. All right. So last week we saw we learned a particular picture. Now I didn't tell you who drew this next picture. Um, but this was actually Leeson. Yes. Leeson did such a great job drawing this, this fun picture right? Is there anyone who can tell me what this picture is about? Do you remember last week? You can just simply raise your hand if you would like to share with me what this picture is about. Okay. Great. I see. um, I see Amy's family here. Um, Would you like to Esmond and Aliyah? Would you like to answer? You can unmute yourself. Okay, can I unmute? No, cannot. Can you guys help? Uh, can our tech folks help them? No, cannot, uh-oh. <laughs> Technical, difficult. Okay, here you are. There you are. God, Esmond. God. Okay, yeah. Okay, Jesus so- on wh- the world. Yes, Jesus is boy. Okay. okay, so this is about how God created the world, right? Yeah, and this is actually a picture of us. God made us to be the loving rulers of the world under him, right? The crown represents that he's the ruler of the world. Okay, thank you, Esmond. This is all about God and his creator. He's the king. That's right. Great. Thank you, Aaliyah. Okay, now, does anybody remember the verse that we learned last week? Does anybody remember? raise your hand anybody remember the verse anybody okay wait let's see okay uh i see my crew is that you are you raising your hand caleb (laughs) okay yeah can someone help him unmute Can you You're still muted. <laughs> all right, what's our verse? Hey, um, we are worthy, the Lord and God, to see glory, and power, you created all things, and by thy will, we're created, and in hell have their being. All right. Great. Thank you so much, uh, Caleb and uh, Lydia and Ellie, for helping out, <laughs> helping Caleb out. Uh, very good. Uh, children, this is a great verse for you to learn uh, so you can share with your friends and family um, how, how God is the loving ruler of the world. Okay. All right. So everything seems Seemed right. Um, And then I asked the question, is this how things are today? And all of you shook your heads. No. Um, So here's the the point for today. We all rejected the ruler God. How sad, right? We rejected the ruler God. And this week, Gwen is is helping us. See, we went outside. We went away from, from God. We seek. We sought to live our life how we wanted to live our life. We tried to run our lives without God. Now, children, what is this called when we try to live our lives on our own without God? Do you know what this is called? Does anybody know? What is this called? What is it called when we go our own way? We try to try to live our life without God. Okay. All right. Anybody? I see Esmond and Aaliyah again, but any, any any new voices? Anyone else want to share? Okay, Caleb, Victor, uh, Caleb, Victor. <laughs> you want to share with us? It is called independent. Okay, yeah, independence. Yeah, it's, and and it's sin, right? It's sin, we go off away from God. Right, thank you, Caleb. Um, so that is what we're actually talking about today how we fail to rule ourselves and society and the world It's the bad news now Isaac has learned our verse for the, for this week Isaac can you can you uh, share the verse that you've learned this week <laughs> Isaac, are you there? (laughs) You can read it. It's okay if you don't have it fully memorized yet. Are you there? Yeah, we. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much, Isaac. Yeah, the first man and woman, they they went their own way. They rebelled against God. Just like actually we do today, right? Think about it. We don't like to be told what to do. Right, children? Think about it. Even this week... I bet your parents told you to do something that you didn't want to do. Maybe it was clean your room or maybe it was turn off the iPad and you're like, oh, no, um, I want to be on the iPad forever. Right. OK, um, maybe uh, some of you maybe have already started school and maybe it was, uh, you know, do your school and you're like, I don't want to. Right. Right. Can you imagine this, that the whole world is of people who are bent to do things their own way, who don't want to be told what to do by God or by anyone else, actually, right? So prone to think about what benefits us the most. And we can act like little gods, right? With, these, with our own little crowns competing with one another, right? This is why we oftentimes get angry, right? We feel like something is threatening our kingship. This is why we're often very, very unhappy. Now, I want, to, I want you to imagine, children, this week, when you find yourself very angry, when you find yourself unhappy with life, it's a hard time, okay? But I want you to imagine when you begin to um, not want to obey your parents, I want you to imagine a little crown over your head. Now, when I was a boy at Burger King, they had these little plastic crowns, and I loved getting that crown, and I would put it on my head. Okay, but it was kind of silly because the crown would break in like a day, you know, and it was all gone, right? Yes. Thank you, Aaliyah, for your crown. Yeah. So next time we begin to act like, um, act like we're God, we can actually remind ourselves by putting a little crown on our head in our minds and kind of laugh at ourselves and say, why am I acting like I am God? Why am I acting like I'm in charge? Next time your parents tell you to do something and you don't want to do it, say, wait a second. Wait a second. What is going on with me? Am I acting like I'm king? Who is king of the world? God is king of the world. Remind yourself of this. Now, children, all the pain and the suffering and the injustice, the terrible things that we see in our world, it all goes back to this basic rebellion against God. By rebelling against God, we've made a terrible mess of things, right? We remember last, remember last week, we learned that God created the world good. Now, the question is, what is God going to do about this rebellion? Right? Well, we discover that God won't let us rebel Forever. This is, this is actually good news that God won't uh, let, it, let this go on forever. No, God is actually going to punish rebellion with death and judgment. It's bad news, but it is justice. God is going to punish rebellion. All right, now Asher is, has our next scripture for today. Asher, could you share with us our next scripture? Is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. That's right. Thank you so much, Asher. God cares so much about humanity that He's not going to let the rebellion continue. Can you imagine, children, a bully in your school and He begins to hurt a lot of people, not just with bad words, but He physically hurting people, right? And imagine people go to the leaders of the school and they're like, like oh no big deal right that would be really a not good school to be a part of right good leaders actually do something about injustice and about problems that are taking place about bullies but here's the the bad news we learn that we we've all been bullies but often we don't recognize it we don't recognize when our selfishness is taking over and when we're, we're being unkind to others We all need to be stopped. We all deserve judgment. And actually, for those who continue in their rebellion, they get a just consequence because those who continue to fight against God, they're saying to God, leave me alone. And you know what God does? Eventually, God gives them exactly what they wanted. He actually cuts them off and he cuts them off permanently. And this is what is called hell. Entering into a godless death. It is terrible, terrible. It's an awful place. They're in the presence of God, actually, unable to get away from God. You bear the consequences of your sin. Now, children, I want to ask you: is that the end of the story? Just judgment and doom and gloom and sadness. Oh, I see, I see some heads shaking. Is that the end of the story? No. Wow. Praise God that that is not the end of the story. Well, we're actually going to get to that more next week. But if it were not for God's own miraculous and gracious intervention, it would be. It would be. Now, children, you have two pictures here that we've kind of blended into one. Right. I would love for you to draw these two pictures, right? The first one is of man with his own crown, seeking to go away from God and his kingship. And then the second one is of a man who's dead and under judgment. He's laying down under God's authority, under his big crown. Can you do that, children? And then you can listen as you draw. Thank you so much for everyone who participated. Uh, Really appreciate your participation today. All right, now let's go, go to our scripture. We'll read it again. We'll try to get it in our heads. Again, this would be wonderful for you to memorize this that you can share with your friends and with your family members, and we can remind ourselves of these truths. First, Romans 3, uh, 10 to 12, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Then Hebrews 9.27, man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Let's pray. Our Father, uh, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for all of it, even the hard parts. Lord, we live in, in hard times. And yet, Lord, we know that your word is actually guiding us to healing and guiding us to hope. But Lord, we need to, we need to take in this hard news to understand our world, Lord, to be able to make sense of it rightly, Lord, to be able to guide others to make sense of it rightly, and ultimately that we might uh, be freed, be freed from the sin, the evil in our hearts that that has taken over our world. Lord, we pray that you would meet with us in in a special way as we surround your word and seek to hear from you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this week, I read an article from Psychology Today, and the title of that article was, Why a Wealthy Person Shoplifts. All right, so this lady, she has encountered a number of people who, who steal, uh, but this particular client, she was, she was trying to understand what exactly was going on. This lady, she, you know, she stole a $8, $8, $8 US dollar jar of olives. Okay, so 32 ring it or, or something like that. Um, now, why did she do this? So, as she began to talk with her and get to know her, she, it was very clear. It wasn't because of the money. Okay, uh, this lady had plenty of money. It wasn't like she couldn't afford this jar of olives. Um, it, it wasn't really perhaps because she was selfish. She, she actually gave a lot to charities and uh, seemed to be a very generous person. Uh, But the, the psychologist basically sums up her client's words. She says this, The world has given me a bad deal. Two husbands have left me. I've been unable to keep a job that pays decently, even though I have good skills with people and organization and I write well. I don't believe I get much value back for my taxes, shoplifting, is a sliver of getting back my fair share shoplifting is a sliver of getting back my fair share this is actually the typical reasoning of the human heart i'm unhappy Um, i've been mistreated or i feel like something has been taken from me so i will take from others so we, we freely take. We do it all the time. The, the assumption is that it should be mine. And we begin to try to solve our problem. We begin to try to solve the world's problems. Um, and actually, we, the way in which we try to solve the problems is, tends to be all the wrong ways. We tend to make things worse, right? We had these flawed attempts to fix the problem, right? You can imagine. Some of you dads, fathers, men may relate to this, you have a a leaking pipe, right? And it's just a little leak there, a little small leak. And you go over there, you're like, I can fix this, I can do this. Um, And all of a sudden, before you know it, in your effort to fix the pipe, you've caused it to completely burst, right? And all of a sudden, your, you know, floor is flooded. This is classic, right? At least in, in, in my life, <laughs> a DIY mentality, right? We all have it. DIY, do it yourself. We try to um, give people lots of advice because we tend to think, um, you know, pretty highly of ourselves. We can fix this. We can fix people's problems. It happens often on Sundays during sermons. Somebody else really needs to hear this. My friend. Oh yes, they really, they really need to hear this. Now it doesn't help that almost half of evangelicals in the U.S. believe that everyone sins a little, but but most people are basically good by nature. You, you can check out the the survey that was done. Is the survey? It's called the State of Theology. The State of uh, Theology and uh, Ligonier and Lifeway uh, put it on. Uh, together. Uh, This this belief is unbiblical, and it actually produces this idea of, why am I not getting my fair share back? I'm doing good things, and why is God not paying me what he owes me, right? It can lead to this mentality. It can lead to all kinds of justifying of sin, but sadly, even with a good theology, right, we can be inconsistent. We can Get sidetracked. Many of you have been very saddened by all the news surrounding Robbie Zacharias, this Christian apologist who maybe had an impact on you, and yet discovered after his, after his passing away of, of being involved in, in sexual misconduct. Very sad to read. Some of the things that he has done and, and even he, also sad to read his, his justification, his kind of manipulation um, to those in whom he was harassing. He would say things like, look, I'm working very hard. I need a break. I need I need some relief. Let it stand as one to us. This is this is so sad, right? That sin can be so deceiving. Right? We need to be aware of this bad news, that it has invaded all of us. We need to be very mindful of all these dangers. Now, thank God for his grace, that thankfully everything that Robbie has said and done, um, it doesn't disappear. God has still used him and, and will continue, I'm sure, to use his books and his, and, and his videos. But the reality is that the earthly consequences remain. His family, his victims are, are, are suffering. Many Christians have been deeply impacted, and it's just all a reminder that something has gone majorly wrong with our world. And it's while it's very easy to dismiss this as this is other people's problems, this is the crazy people out there, um, they have these kind of problems, but we must not. Our scripture this morning is telling us that no one is righteous. We need to humble ourselves this morning, we need to realize that we've been set apart to acknowledge our need for help outside of ourselves. Cannot live as though we're immune from this deadly virus of sin. Cannot. Our passage reminds us that all have have experienced this sin and, and live in this sin that something has gone wrong with us personally and all of creation in fact. The gospel right out of the gate requires you to admit brokenness in the world, but not just that evil in your own heart, in my own heart. Until we come to grips with this part of the gospel, we're not going to be able to understand the world properly. We're not going to be able to see things as God has taught us in his word. We're going to try to fix things and we're going to make things worse. So let us hear God's word this morning, a very basic truth but has great power to free us basic question is this what has gone wrong with the world what has gone wrong with the world well scripture teaches us that no one has lived under god's rule rightly this is what the fall teaches us and, and continues to show us throughout redemptive history and in light of the holiness of god and his greatness this is very bad bad news in light of his righteousness, we learn that no one lives under God's rule wrongly. They will face judgment. There will be no peace for the one who continues in this rebellion. Now, even common grace alone teaches us these things. You, you get to know people on the street. Even this week, I, I met a man and, and and I could see that he was deeply disturbed by some of his, his own Things that he had done in his past, his, his sin, and he knew punishment was coming. So no matter what your religion, there's this sense in which I deserve punishment. I deserve judgment. And that's, that's true. For others maybe who, who seek to disregard religion, um, many people are just simply trying to suppress the feeling, suppress the guilt. To suppress what they know to be true, that they too actually have lived in just lives, and they too deserve judgment. But this morning, we need to consider more of the background. We need to understand how this all unfolded. So Karen read to us Genesis uh, 3, Andrew as well, and in that, we see that Adam who was to be our representative, failed the test. He was given a test at the end of chapter two. He was given a warning. Clearly, there's this kind of covenant relationship that man has with God. All the features are are present. There is clear explanation of what is going to happen if they rebel and turn away from God. And there will be great blessing. For obedience to God. This is just like any good father would do. They're called to obey, to live under God's good rule. We presume that that as they continue to walk that path, they would have actually been able to experience the full enjoyment of that eternal rest, symbolized by the tree of life, which by God's grace, they would have been able to partake While in the garden, they were not in the fullest state. Last week, we talked about how awesome it was, God's creation. But we weren't at the height. They were actually able to sin. It's critical for us to think about and to understand and to know that they needed to obey on the bare word of God. There was no physical evidence from that tree that that one was bad. There was no decaying fruit, right? Charles Hodge helpfully says that Adam would have had had to obey of obeyed for the sake of obeying his obedience was more directly to God and not to his own reasoning well the tree according to Eve looked desirous it was a delight to her eyes and so then as soon as they began to reason outside of what God has said their reasoning begins to take them in unhelpful places they began to think what could be wrong with this it looks good to me so she took, and she ate, and she gave to her husband, who was with her. This slow and subtle development of rebellion. This is how it happens. We, we tend to not just begin, you know, coming out with our fist up, right? But it begins in the mind, and we begin to reason. and We see Adam clearly at fault, even though he's standing back completely quiet, perhaps happy and peaceful and, looking like he's doing just fine but god is going to direct him first and speak to him first confront him first because he is primarily primarily responsible in fact he is the covenant representative who's representing all mankind he was the one who was given the words of god and apparently didn't teach his wife or at least in this moment was silent when it counted He was silent, silent, silent at every stage. There's so many moments, right, where Adam could have jumped in. But he just watched. He just stood there. This, too, is rebellion, my friends. God created the world good, and Adam and Eve were made in his image, and they were to live in this covenant relationship with him to obey his commands. And we see that our first parents, they failed, and we failed with them. As Herman Bobbing helpfully notes, what it means to be under a covenant representative, he compares it to the human body. Just as the fate of the whole body rests with the head, which thinks and judges and decides for all the organs, so also the fate of humanity was in the hands of Adam. This is why many call Adam a covenant head. Now, he's just simply, Bobbing here is just simply reflecting on the teaching of of Romans 5, where Paul will make this connection a little further in our passage in Romans 5, 12 to 19. Look at it with me. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners." Now, notice this, the one man represents us and affects us. But interestingly, it also says, yet all sin, right? This too is our failure. Now, we like to think of ourselves as better, right? We think if I was in his place, I would would totally have done great. Adam, in his state of original righteousness, would fall, and we failed in him. But we are not merely judged by Adam's sin alone. The Westminster Confession of Faith is very helpful, uh, noting that also it is our own actual sins which flow from this first sin, absolutely, and make us guilty and make us corrupt. It is our own sins as well that condemn us. But we must not separate ourselves from Adam. We tend not to think of ourselves in this covenantal way we tend to be very individualistic actually um uh, all over the world uh, this this has plagued us one man disobeyed and we are all made sinners we need to understand our connectivity to adam actually it will help us connect the whole world together we are one people and in this covenant of life that God would would make with all humanity. It's not just a task, but a relationship where we're supposed to live under God's rule. It's actually going to give us the categories for the new covenant. The new covenant, you see, is going to deal with our our problems, this problem of representation. We are going to receive a second Adam in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to deal with guilt and corruption. It's going to undo what went wrong in the garden romans 3 10 we need to come to our passage for today no one is righteous now we all want to try to wiggle our way out of this but but paul knows that that we're going to struggle so he clarifies and he says not not even one Not even one. This is universal. It's actually spent three chapters (laughs) uh, seeking to convince both Jew and Gentile that they have all sinned and they are all under God's judgment for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Chapter three, verse 23. Now we need to be clear of our meanings. You know, what does the word righteous even mean? Okay. So I asked my family, it was good to go around and um, Ann said it means to be right before God. Well, that was a, a great definition, right? Um, in our unrighteousness, we experience it in two ways, right? We're guilty before God, right? And we're also corrupt, right? This is, this is, this is personally, right? And also corporately by representation, and we need a new covenant head, but God is going to deal with guilt, okay? So this guilt comes from disobedience, to the law right where we know that we should bear punishment but in christ we know it's it's coming next week where we are declared not guilty but righteous not not in adam but in christ in christ god is going to deal with our guilt which makes us unrighteous before him But he's also going to deal with our corruption. We need a renewal of the heart. Our heart is so prone and bent to sin. We need to be transformed. Again, more on this next week. This will help us when we think about uh, the word righteous throughout the Bible, right? Throughout the Old Testament, uh, we see verses that maybe make us think that it's contradicting this first, right? Think of Noah, right? Noah was righteous. Think of the many Psalms where the psalmist is is referring to himself as righteous. Think of Zechariah or Elizabeth. We can get tripped up on passages like this, but it's very important for us to remember that the covenant of grace is going to come to God's people even immediately after they sin. We read it earlier, Genesis 3, 15. God is going to promise deliverance, for his people. So when we come to passages that speak of righteous, no, we need to remember that this righteousness, it means that he is taking refuge in God, just like the psalmist would as well. Just like Zechariah would. Zachariah was a priest. He offered sacrifices on behalf of, of all the people, but not only for all the people, for his own sins. So he was righteous in the sense that his guilt was being dealt with by God. He was under God's covering. But also, notice these individuals throughout the old covenant, they bore the fruit of grace. They had a covenant relationship with God. And they were not only looking forward to that future Messiah, but their actions were beginning to be molded and conformed to God's law. It's nowhere that it says that these saints were perfectly righteous. No, but even in the Old Testament, we see that righteousness is something that comes from God. This is where Paul's argument is moving. And in Romans 3, this is where he's headed. God is dealing with both guilt and corruption. But even in the Old Testament, we get these glimpses of it. This is why Jesus in in Luke 24 So that the Old Testament was about me. It was pointing toward me. So when we read no one is righteous, we must understand we must not get too ahead, right? (laughs) But Paul wants to slow us down, actually. He wants to help us meditate on this unrighteousness before we get to the the good news. So he's going to show three aspects of our fallenness. Our sin impacts us, and he's gonna and he's gonna just unpack it a little bit here in these in these short verses. Here, we'll look at it briefly. Our thinking is off. First off, our thinking is off. It is actually unrighteous. Now we live in an age of of discovery, um, age of Google, right? We all like to understand. Um, we all have this have been influenced by this thinking that we're on upward progress. And our, our, our assumption is that we're just getting better and better and better and better. If only those ancient people were as smart as, as we are today. But that is a failure to understand the scriptures teaching with our brain. There's a blindness. There's a block. Uh, Jesus taught the same thing. No one can see the kingdom of God. We're in a really bad, bad problem. Paul is going to elsewhere say the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of god for their folly to him he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned elsewhere we hear the mind is darkened now i studied development psychology but even without that study after you know having four children right you can see these certain stages where your child doesn't understand things right um my, my precious daughter, Joy, right now, she can't really understand um, another person's point of view. <laughs> um, uh, it actually explains a lot of her, her frustration. Actually, our lack of understanding explains a lot of our own frustration in this world. And as we hear these words, no one understands It's the blow to the ego. We just need to all acknowledge it. I mean, this isn't very pleasant for us to hear. If someone tells me I'm at a social event, someone tells me, "Hey, um, did you hear about this actor? This new movie? Or did you hear about this new science that that this new discovery?" Um, you know, I'll, I'll quickly go, "No, no, no, I, I don't know." And I'll quickly right, get out my phone. What do we do? Right? We pull out our phone and we turn to Almighty Google, and there so quickly. We can be brought to understanding and we can kind of develop this self-confidence. Oh, I can solve every problem. I, I, I kind of know everything. I can just I have access to everything at my fingertips. Now, we think that way until tragedy strikes, until death comes to our home, until addiction begins to grip us and hold us down, until the, the, the darkness of depression falls over our heads and all of a sudden the god of google fails us our own resources seem to seem to look pitiful and miserable they, they our own understanding begins to let us down times like this right our own understanding we're trying to figure out you know what's going to happen next you know what what's the detail with the new mco what, and we can Be very anxious when we don't understand. At the heart of this, it's not just that we we can't understand it. It's because because of his greatness. It's not just simply because he is the almighty, eternal God, infinite. No, we do not understand because of sin. Because of sin, because of our fallenness. Things are so messed up. And our mind is messed up along with the rest of the world. The the theologians call this the noetic effects of sin. That sin has affected our reasoning. We really need to come to grips with this. But also the seeking part of us, not just the thinking part of us. Our desires, our impulses, our dreams, our goals are all impacted by sin We've been created by God, as we talked about last week, to live for his glory, to do everything for his glory. But often it's only when things get really, really bad do we even think of God and think to turn to God. We disregard him so easily. The Bible is telling us here that we are spiritually dead. Lastly, sin affects us so clearly in our acting, in the way that we live. In the verse 12, we read, there is no one who does good, not even one. And Paul, in case we're not convinced, he's going to quote a number of Old Testament passages. He's going to go through five organs of the body um, uh, to show how this is kind of lived out from the throat to the tongue, to the lips, the mouth, you know, the feet, everything. It just, just seems to have been affected by sin. And the summary is this, the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Perhaps we think this is rather extreme. No one does good. I mean, right? doesn't even Jesus say, right, that an evil person knows how to good give good, good gifts to his children? Well, yes, uh, Jesus and Paul are, are in agreement here. Certainly the world is not as bad as, as it could be, Right? There is a category for good that could describe our, our, our non-believing friends and their, and their actions, right? So many people, even during this time, we see people of all religions, of all faith, of all races doing amazing things. Helping people, seemingly, with, with good motives. But we need to understand what Paul is talking about, what exactly he means by the good. He is speaking of the good in the ultimate sense right? And doing good in the ultimate sense is to do every action for the glory of God. That's your motive, your goal, that the norm is that God's honor. That's that's the focus. That's the centerpiece. God being honored for this action and for this activity. That is not what we see in our world. All, all have turned away. Now, it's interesting after preaching through Jude, we tend to think of apostasy and backsliding kind of related to Christians only, right? And it's true in, in in the technical sense. But think about this with me. We were all created to be in God's household. We all belong to the church, so to speak. And all have been on the run from his household. In a pluralistic society, this idea that we're all we're all um, just on different paths, but headed in the same direction. This is kind of invading our mindset, and, and oftentimes the, the thought may even come to us that the church is another cultural invention, uh, and another one of these things which divides our world. This idea totally rejects what God is teaching. All humanity belongs under God's And there's actually only two categories of people in this world, those who have turned away and have stayed away and those who have turned away and have come home. So it's our mission as a church. We don't say, hey, come join our social club. Uh, We're better than all of those people out there. Um, Come join this culture. Come join our sectarian group. No, this year, our aim is simply to say to people, come back home. Come back home. We too have been affected by sin. We too need help. We too need God's grace. And here's the thing. If it would not been for his grace, we would still be wandering around with no way. Back. Totally, utterly lost. question for us this morning is, will we submit fully to the scripture's Assessment of humanity. Will you submit? It sounds difficult uh, to take in, but actually, what can what will be produced in us is incredible gratitude. If we can ex- accept the the Scriptures' teaching, grace will just begin to grow bigger and bigger in our eyes as we as we really see the seriousness of sin. How has it affected us? How has it affected our world? It'll give us compassion on other people, all those around us. It'll give us humility. How might this doctrine of sin help you, even this week, to face the challenges that you have to face? But also, sin has consequences. Just as we saw in the Jude series, there's coming a, a, an incredible crash those who go in rebellion is not going to end well. Considering what went wrong, we need to see the result of sin, not just that we messed up, but that no one lives under God's rule wrongly. Judgment is coming. Now, Paul in his argument in Romans has already made this point. Romans chapter 1 verse 18, the wrath of God is being poured out upon all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. Okay, and he is just building that argument. Then we come to chapter 3, verse 19. And we see now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Chapters 1 to 3 are showing us the holiness of God. And, And his law is a reflection of that holiness and declares us all guilty, right? So then the Gentiles, though, right, they may not have the law, but Paul says that they, too, have the law written on their own conscience. So they, too, are guilty. So here Paul is kind of summary, pulling it all together, that in light of the holiness of God, Rebellion cannot endure before him. Whether the Old Testament law or the law written on your heart, all are silenced. And in that final day, will be silenced. The whole world will be held accountable. Now, when we go back to the beginning, God was very clear with Adam of the consequences that would come. He will die he will die. Sin does not fit in the garden of God, in this holy place, and it will take immediate effect. Now this throws a number of people off, but that tends to be because we have a very uh, shallow view and understanding of death. It's not simply that the body begins to decay. Well, that certainly began on that very day. Adam and Eve's body began to decay. But also along with that, the misery which comes with sin right? This corrosion of the soul. We, we understand this and we know this full well that many people, they have the experience of dying before they die. Maybe you yourself have, have experienced it in the dark hours of, of a difficult moment in your life. This is why people wish they were dead because they feel dead on the inside. Their soul has been corroded Adam and Eve, think about it, this, they go from this freedom, this delight in walking with God, and, and, and just totally comfortable, not insecure, it's hard for us to even imagine, right? They're totally naked, and yet they're unashamed, and yet shame would come upon them, and they would just try to, to somehow cover it up, right? But not enough leaves could, could cover this, this shame, this inward sense of dying, not enough physical hiding, right? It's like a little kid trying to hide behind this little tiny tree, right? They knew they couldn't hide enough, but they just they felt like they had to, to hide. They had to get it off of them. They had to cover. They couldn't blame others enough to, to get it off of them. It was like their shame, their sin was like sticking to them like permanent glue. It's terrible. They were happy, they were holy, and now they're sinful and miserable. Guilt and shame came, and it came rightly because they had actual guilt. They they, they, they actually should be ashamed. There was no way to save face. It's terrible. It's an unbearable feeling, actually. Some of us may experience it in small ways, even in our own lives, and we may be able to temporarily cover things over, right? But we know we're vulnerable. We know it. We know eventually the truth will be revealed. Not only is are we experiencing the decay of our body, but the decay of our soul. They have literally experienced this walk of shame out of the garden, which probably perhaps is one of the one of the most terrible days in all of history, right? Can you imagine the feeling of that? Being banned from the tree of life, the symbol of hope of 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 life, life with God. Now they're they're thrust out to this ground that's characterized by death. Now they are trying to plant trees, and it's hard. It's difficult. And then Adam and Eve will quickly see more and more of the consequences of sin as the the ground itself begins to bear the mark of sin, as their child's blood is stained the ground. Cain kills Abel. Judgment must come for all of this. This is what we see in Hebrews 9.27. Man is destined to die once, and after that, to face Judgment. Walk away from the source of life. You will get death. Death in the fullest, the worst possible sense. We have turned from our creator, our maker. Judgment is coming. It is coming. All will stand before the judgment seat of God. And all will have to give account to God. Will you this morning, will you submit to the scriptures teaching on judgment that it's coming? Oh, beloved brothers and sisters, if we will believe and trust in the Lord and his word, that his justice is righteous and good, we will cherish the gospel. We will find ourselves having such inner peace and joy in the midst of these stormy trials that we face. As we dread possible stricter MCO, um, as we dread, you know, the the spread of this virus, as we dread uh, so many things. But we recognize, in light of the gospel, things could be so much worse. We could be under judgment if it were not for Christ. If it were not for this great privilege of being in Him, God, His creation, it was beautiful. It was right. It was. It was good. The path was laid for eternal rest, and yet humanity rejected God as their king. Humanity went their own way, and as a result, we live our lives filled with guilt, filled with shame, filled with death as the, one of the defining markers of our world. But friends, is this the end of the story? Isn't that it? Doom and gloom, is that all we're left with? No. Praise the Lord, there is hope. Salvation has come in the Lord Jesus Christ. How good it will be to talk about it next week. That God did something with this incredible dilemma that we found ourselves in. God is going to create something actually far more beautiful than the first creation. Far more beautiful than the Garden of Eden. God is creating for us something magnificent. But that'll be for the next two weeks. But before then, before then, how are you dealing with the pain, the ruin in our world? Did you feel it this week? Did you experience it? I certainly did. I don't have time to go into all the examples, actually. (laughs) It was like I'm preaching on sin. And so I I got a full taste of the pain and impact of sin this week. One of those examples is that in my country, riots happened again. As if 2020 wasn't enough you know, violence, as if we don't have enough issues going on with COVID-19. Lawlessness broke out again. It is rather self-defeating, right? Here is this building, the Capitol building that, that has been built by our very own taxpayer dollars, and there is being vandalized. We see a number of deaths on January 6th sad how painful it is to experience the impact of sin but but the hard part for me was realizing that this just simply sums up 2020 for for my very own country on both sides of the political spectrum not not above it both sides bear the guilt of all that has happened in our country sadly not only with those painful things that happened violence the lawlessness, but also it's painful to watch the justification for actions and blame, right? On January 6th, the justification was, um, this is our building. This is our building. We're the taxpayers. We, We paid for this building. Therefore, we can break windows. Therefore, we can cause public alarm, chaos, interrupt the government's work, provoking fear. How sad. How sad sin has affected us in our minds and our actions. 2020, there were many other violent riots, and we're, and we're uh, backed with, with justification. Things like this You take from me, I will take from you. You take from me, I will take from you. This is the reasoning of our sinful humanity. And it's so sad because it actually hurt everyone, right? It didn't bring healing. Or come back to the wealthy lady who stole in order to get what she thought was owed to her. Do you this morning easily feel cheated? Do you easily feel robbed in this world? Do you find yourself blaming? Do you find yourself justifying? We need to be aware that this is, this is our story of the world. It's all of our story. We need to acknowledge that the problem is with us. How easy it will be to say that the problem is them. It is the other. If we take that path, we're simply going to try to come up with solutions and we're just going to multiply the problem. In conclusion, I'm, I'm reminded of one of my, my favorite songs by the rapper, Triple. Maybe you didn't know I liked rap. <laughs> um, he has a song called The Invasion, subtitled Hero. And he describes the just the bad state of the world. But then he says this. He says this. I'll close with this. Our solutions don't win. Education can't fix it. More dough just leads to more sin. Medicine is temporary. Government seems so thin. With all these weighty problems that ain't shrinking, they just grow. And who is adequate to save us? How about he who knew no sin? That is our hope, brothers and sisters. Let us rejoice. Let us pray. Our Father, We thank you that you have not left us alone in this terrible state of sin and misery and judgment. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for him. Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us for our self-sufficiency, for thinking that we can solve our own problems, for thinking that we can solve the world's problems, for thinking that if only we were in charge, we would fix all this. Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Lord, we recognize that it is in you and you alone that we can put our hope and our trust. That only you can undo this wrong that we have created. Oh, Father, heal our world. Father, would you grant that your redemptive power would begin to make its way into our world just as it did in the coming of Jesus, just as it did in the coming of the Spirit. And now we want to see your Spirit continue to transform more lives. Lord, we want to know this gospel. We want to cherish this gospel. And we want to give this good news to the world, Lord, that's in an incredibly miserable state. Lord, overwhelm us with compassion for the lost burden us move us to speak even in a time where it's so difficult to even think about others lord we pray that we would do it we pray that 2021 would be marked by a people of god who recognize our, the desperation in our world and a people who move toward others to point them to the hope and healing that is only found in the lord jesus christ oh lord move us move your church We pray all this for the glory of you, our great God, our creator God, and our great Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.